1: Talk is about
0: to begin. Hey, hey, hey,
1: come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is your BFFs podcast, Buckeye Futures Friday. I'm Nathan Baird from cleveland.com. He is Stephen Means. We're talking about quarterbacks. We talked about quarterbacks a lot this spring because of the battle that's going on at Ohio State right now between C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, Kyle McCord. And how that unfolded over the spring and how it's going to continue to unfold away from the prying eyes of the media over the summer and then resume once they come back to campus this summer and early fall. And and we're going to talk um, about that all summer, I'm sure, in, in some capacity. But today we're talking about from a prospect side of things, we want to talk about one of the big events on the calendar every year, and it's one that increasingly has an Ohio State stamp on it, and that is the Elite 11 series, Stephen, kind of tell people, because it's something we reference a lot when we kind of just say it in passing a lot, like, oh, he was an Elite 11. So tell people exactly what Elite 11 is and how, how the process works just generally, not just for Ohio State quarterbacks, but just around the country, what is Elite 11?
0: Yeah, so Trent Dilfer started it about 20, 25 years ago. It's it's just a way to, 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 to figure out, who the best quarterbacks in the country are. And I understand every two, we use two, four, seven composite, obviously, ESPN has their own rankings, rivals, got whatever you want. But this is a way to get these guys in a competitive setting and really find out who the best 11 quarterbacks are. I think they came up with 11 because there's 11 guys on the field. So that's why you go to 11, and not 10, um, which I mean, it's a cool little number, whatever.
1: There's a, there's alliteration too. It's if you can't just say like elite 10, that doesn't elite 11 yeah. sounds cooler. You'd yeah, have to it's say, it's like, Tremendous 10 or something, and that's – I don't know 100%. if they want to go there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so – I wonder if
1: it's people- also because it's Trent Dilfer. Maybe he really wanted to to get that elite <laughs> thing because there was, like, always so much, well, he won a Super Bowl. Is he elite?
0: Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And definitely – because every time – every year they'll come out with the little documentaries after – about six months after they, they actually go through the process. And it always starts off with, remember, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably part of it. But – as people know, every summer there's camps, there's showcases. I was just at one, the All-American uh, Camp Series a couple about a week and a half ago, where you just get guys together and they go through testings. They compete and do all this stuff, and that's how they come up with these rankings. Well, this one is specifically for the quarterbacks, and it's a part of the opening series, uh, which happens at, near the end of the summer every single year. The opening is where they just bring all the top prospects together, and they compete through seven-on-seven. The offensive linemen have a, a, a challenge, and there's all these different things that happen. Well, the quarterback part of it is there's a a showcase. They're all over the place. Uh, the kid we're going to talk about, uh, Quinn Ewers, his was in Dallas a couple a couple of days ago. But they're all over Dallas, Los Angeles, Nashville, Philadelphia. There's one in Indianapolis this year, and that's where you go to earn your invites. It's just a camp. It's no different than going to the All American camp where you can try to earn a a, a invite to the All American game and whatnot. But and so in. You go there, you compete. If you earn an invite to the Elite 11, I think they invite 24 people a year, then you don't have to go to any more of these camps. You can just relax until you have to you know, report for the actual competition. But say you don't, then if you want to, you and your parents can drive to the next regional location that they have one of these camps, and you can try to earn one there. But there's usually four or five opportunities kind of scattered throughout the country to get enough people from different parts of the, glo- parts of the country where they have these competitions and you can earn an invite to go compete, to be a part of the elite 11.
1: To me, it's one of the closest correlations between football and basketball recruiting in that in basketball, mm-hmm. for people who aren't aware, you know, you there's top level a U teams usually affiliated with one of three shoe companies or whatever. And you play in big events to try to qualify for the biggest events at the end of the mm-hmm. season. And those are the ones, there's only certain events that college coaches are allowed to uh, come view in person and you're trying to get to as many of those as possible. And now that's a team-oriented thing. This is individual. It, you don't quite have the same team concept in football recruiting, but this is kind of the same thing individually. If you're, you're going to a regional to try to prove yourself and get to the big stage against the other best people that do what you do.
0: Yeah, and which is what in football it has to be, right? Because you're not playing a full-forged football game when you're not in season. So you have seven on seven. But it is a little bit more individualized because, I mean, football is the ultimate team sport. And what every position is very different. They all have to work together, and obviously, to be successful. But what a defensive end does versus what a wide receiver does, even though they're both what a no a better example what a defensive end does in comparison to what a three tech does they're both defensive linemen but they do two totally different things and so yeah there is an individualized concept of high school football recruiting when you're not in season and you get stuff like this where i mean if you look around the nfl right now most of the guys who are starting on nfl rosters either competed in the elite 11 or competed and they ended up enshrined in the elite 11 a lot of them ended up winning mvp
1: you know, I think that's an interesting thing we're going to come back to, which is what it means to just get invited to Elite 11, uh, because anybody can go to regional compete, I guess, and then mm-hmm. even, even to earn an invite out of there, that means one thing. But then to go to the Elite 11 like, finals and, and show off, that seems to mean something else. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Like you said, it's been around for longer than I was aware of, actually. I, I found it going back to 1999, and there's been an mm-hmm. Ohio State connection since pretty early on, uh, Troy Smith and Justin Swick, Justin Zwick were both at the 2001 camp, according to what I found. Rob mm-hmm. Schoenhoff, who I don't even know who that is, and I, I'm obviously a, a newcomer to Ohio State football history, but I don't know who that is. He didn't end his career at Ohio State. He ended up going to Delaware, I believe. It was in 2004. Those were the only two in the first like, 16, 17 years of this mm-hmm. camp, from what I saw, from, that, had an, that ended up going to Ohio State, who were participants in this camp. But now it's become an annual thing. Like, if you're an Ohio State quarterback prospect, I guess 2018 might be the um, exception. But it's been just one after the other. Dwayne Haskins in 2015, Tate Martell in 2016, Justin Fields 2017. These are guys who got invited to the, the final 24, right? Uh, yeah. CJ Stroud in 2019. I believe Jack Miller could not participate in 2019, yeah, he right?
0: Was, he was still dealing with some injuries. So he was actually – him and CJ Stroud were actually on the same team when they got right. the seven on seven part.
1: We'll get to that in a second. And then comma they did end up having it last year, right? He, he was involved last year. Yes. So, um, and then now Quinn Ewers now trying to advance in 2021. We assume that he will probably be in the, among the final 24. That would probably, has he already qualified?
0: He is. No, he's already gotten an invite to the 24. So gotcha. yeah, I've okay. got, he's on that part at least.
1: Okay. So he will join that club. So what, this predates Ryan Day a little bit, um, with, with Haskins being as early as 2015, Tate Martell 2016, but I guess explain what you see as the connection right now between Ohio State taking its quarterback recruiting up a notch and the fact that these the guys that they're going after, it's just annually, those guys are the ones at Elite 11.
0: Yeah, I think the difference now is it's more of a – At this point, when they send out the invites, we should just expect it, right? And I think maybe that's oversimplification, but let's, I mean, Dwayne Haskins was an outlier as far as the type of quarterback Ohio State wanted. And he wasn't even an Ohio State commit at the time that he went. He was still a Maryland commit. They had to flip him because the quarterback they wanted flipped. So that was that was a late, I don't want to call him a late bloomer, but just the fact, it's, He's an Ohio State guy only by, you know, association of the fact that he went to the Elite 11 camp and he ended up at Ohio State, sort of like with Justin Fields. And with Tate Martell, that's a situation where that's a borderline top, top 50 to five-star recruit where some of this is a little bit of just, you know, name brand, name recognition. I mean, if you're a top 100 kid in the country, you're probably getting to right? right? It's just what it is. You don't really have to do much. You just – Everybody knows who Tate Martell, especially at that point. This is 2016 summer. Tate Martell is the most famous high school athlete on the planet. He's getting an invite to Elite 11. I think now, whether it's Jack Miller, uh, CJ Stroud, which we'll get into later on in this podcast, how he ended up at Elite 11 and whatnot, Kyle McCord, Quinn Ewers. These are, outside of the Quinn Ewers, the last three guys, they use Elite 11 really to, to up their, their profile a little bit. You know, and we'll get into that. But it's just now it's an expectation and not just these outliers of guys in Elite 11 where it's like, oh, and on top of everything else, here's the bonus. He he was enshrined in Elite 11. This should be the expectation for a coach who wants to recruit five-star quarterbacks every year.
1: Before we delve into that, I want to touch on something you just said, which is kind of the, the difference between, and this again, I think there's a correlation here to the basketball recruiting sometimes too. It's like the difference between a someone who's ranked really high and how that kind of keeps pushing them along with some momentum. I think those guys get the benefit of the doubt. If they go to a regional and don't look amazing, they may still get an invite as opposed to a guy who's lower ranked and he's got to grind a little bit more to earn this kind of an invite. But you see there, there's sort of like a, that's where these two worlds collide a little bit is through this series.
0: Yeah. Well, it's either, you know, you're the Quinn yours of the world where you know you're going and this is just another opportunity to show, oh, yeah, he really is the number one player in the country or you're the C.J. Strouds of the world where this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to showcase yourself in a way that maybe because maybe you're a late bloomer or just your situation. You're not around people who can really guide you in the right way to how football recruiting works, whatever it is. This is an opportunity for you to be on this stage where everything is equal with you and whoever that Quinn Ewers, Trevor Lawrence, whoever that is, Deshaun Watson, whoever that guy is, and show yourself. And those guys typically turn heads at these camps.
1: So we're going to come back from the break, and we're going to get into that because there are a couple of instances here in, in the last five, six years where Ohio State's football futures changed because of quarterbacks going to the Elite Eleven. Mm -hmm. And having big days or big weeks. And we're going to talk about that more on BFFs when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk talking about the Elite 11 quarterback series. And Stephen, this precedes you being on the beat and certainly precedes me being on the beat. But you, you mentioned Dwayne Haskins goes to the Elite 11 camp, goes to the Elite 11 finals in 2015 as a Maryland commit. Do you. Know like what, where that was in his juncture with Ohio State and how that might have changed that path for him.
0: Yeah, I don't know if how much. I I, I don't know. I don't think it was. It it did as much, right? I think he had an. He obviously had an offer at that point, and the recruitment was there. But I don't know if it was as hard as it was going to be six months from that point. Just because when you have a quarterback commit, it, as we've talked about time and time again since all three of us have been together it's really rare to have two quarterbacks in the same class, especially two top 100 quarterbacks in the same class or top 200 quarterbacks. So at that point, Dwayne Haskins was just another guy with an offer who was probably building a relationship with Tom Herman, who I I think at the time was still the the, uh, offensive coordinator and and quarterbacks coach here. He was steady building that relationship, but Mike Mike Loxley was still an assistant coach at Maryland. So that was where his attention was. He just happened to be a top 100 recruit who was at the Elite 11 camp at that point. So I, I, with him, it's a it's a hard example because what ended up being an Ohio a, a legitimate Ohio State relationship wouldn't come into effect for another six months with him.
1: So the ones that really changed, the, where, where a guy changed the kind of direction of his career, was both 2017 and 2019. Justin Fields goes to the Elite 11 camp in 2017. As we've talked before, he had a late rise to his prospect life, you know. Trevor Lawrence kind of jumped out there early on and was like the clear number one, kind of like a Quinn Ewers in this class. Like very early on, he's the runaway number one guy in that class. Justin Fields was a multi-sport athlete. He was playing a lot of baseball in the summer. Wasn't doing camps like this as much early in his football or his high school football career because he had other things that he was pursuing and he was really good at baseball. He was a legitimate baseball prospect. So it wasn't until later in his career that he even started doing like a lot of seven-on-seven, a lot of camps like this. He goes to Elite 11 in 2017 and wins, correct? Yes. S- and that's s- one of the things that pushed him farther up that list and made him a and, – and what I'm getting at is you wonder how differently his Georgia trajectory is if that doesn't happen. If he comes in as a four-star prospect, does – you know what I'm saying? Like, does the whole mm-hmm. thing with Jake Fromm unfold in a different way? Is there less urgency maybe felt? on his behalf that he's not getting a chance to get on the field and does he not end up transferring out does he ever end up at Georgia does he end up monitoring his commitment to Penn State in the first place like a lot of things might have changed because of the exposure Justin Fields got at that camp
0: yeah I think he had literally just decommitted from Penn State a couple of months before he showed up there his situation is interesting because it's not necessarily a a guy in the 200s who was really well at a regional and then went there and showed out it was Okay, you have our attention. Here's the platform um validated. We now think you are this prospect. Go validate us because Trevor Lawrence walked into that and it was supposed to be the Trevor Lawrence show. As I said, they put out the documentaries for it and it was uh, if you watch it, the first couple of episodes were just the Trevor Lawrence Love Fest, which was basically the 2020 football season as well a Trevor Lawrence Love Fest. But it was just you know, when, he, when they went through their pro days, Trevor Lawrence was awesome. The first time they ever threw the ball, Trevor Lawrence was awesome. And it's like, oh yeah, this guy is the real deal. Yada, yada, yada. But then it was, but here's this guy, Justin Fields. Is he going to, you know, mess with the status quo a little bit and have us really questioning, maybe is Trevor Lawrence really the best player in this class? And this was his chance to validate that. And he did that with the pro day. And he did that when they went on to play in that seven on seven tournament, which was the first time they had ever gotten on the field at the same time. Ironically enough, given that they're 20 minutes from each other. But for Justin, it was he had already been climbing now that he was fully focused on football. Now it was about validating what everybody was starting to think about him. And he did just that by taking him MVP honors.
1: And then one of the comparisons people have made between Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud is that Stroud also had a later career career advancement like that now Mm -hmm. Justin Fields even relative to his high school career I think got started a little bit before Stroud did I wrote about Stroud uh earlier this spring about kind of him having to to you know wait his turn a little bit as a high school quarterback behind a guy who now is at like a division three and is doing well but was not a national recruit by any means and stroud was one of the guys i was kind of referring to before he had to grind it a little bit more more than someone like tate martell who, like you said kind of shows up at a regional with this celebrity status and cj stroud was the the late comer and this was another i mean this there's a direct correlation between what how he performed that summer in those camps and our state even being interested
0: correct yeah, CJ Stroud was not like Justin. He, he was like Justin in the fact that this is, it was takeoff from there after the Elite 11, but the lead-up to the Elite 11 was very different. So they, that, that year is 2019, summer 2019 for the 2020 class, and they went to Los Angeles twice for a regional. The first time they went, there wasn't much. I don't think anybody impressed, but also I don't think DJ Uwe was there which is why he didn't earn an invite the first time. I don't think he was there. And so they weren't really impressed with anybody. CJ Stroud was among those people they weren't really impressed with. And that's because from a late bloomer standpoint, some of that was just physical. I mean, if you saw a picture of CJ Stroud in high school, I mean, you were there when we got to talk to him the first time after being in the program for two weeks, he looked small, nothing about him screamed Ohio state starting quarterback. Right. Well, I mean, we've seen him since then. And, and, he, I mean, he looks like a starting quarterback now. He doesn't look like Justin Fields' little brother anymore. He looks like a guy who's, who's been developed a little bit from a physical standpoint. So the first time they go, nobody ends up getting an invite. So they come back around to Los Angeles after they go through all the other regionals. And that's where DJ Uyungleye was there. Uh, I think Bryce Young was there. CJ was there as well. DJ and Bryce obviously end up getting invites because they're five-star quarterbacks and Tate Martell, you know, that type of... CJ didn't get an invite. So he's just moving on with his life. DJ Uyungleye, and this will be a much more interesting story of Clemson and Ohio State playing the playoff again this year because and CJ's the starting quarterback and DJ's the other one. But DJ decides he doesn't want to go to the Elite 11 anymore because he wants to focus at St. John Bosco on trying to win a national title since the year before that they lost. So he drops out, which means there's an opening. So And there's this video online of, of them calling CJ and saying, hey – We want you to come now. So he was literally, he's an understudy at that point. He's the, just in case somebody doesn't, literally, if just in case somebody doesn't want to come, now you can come. And he's FaceTiming his mother, telling him, and he's emotional and all those things. Come to find out, the best thing that could have happened for Ohio State is Clemson's commit, dropping out of Elite 11, because it might have helped Ohio State find his starting quarterback. Because he goes on to win the whole thing and win MVP.
1: Right, so then that was going to be my follow-up. Like, what happens next for him? Because then he he goes there, and it's not, again, just being in the mix is one thing. You got invited to this thing. Great. Going there and winning seems to be a a different kind of separator because I feel like there are a lot of guys who get invited who are getting invited on name, or you get invited because you showed up one day and it was the best day of your life. But to then go there where everybody is is
0: collected and succeed seems to be another thing. And he's still waiting when he gets there because it's not – They change the setup every single year. So I think this year there were three quarterbacks per team because there were less teams. And so I think he's on a team with Jack Miller, who I mentioned earlier, and then Bryce Young. So they're kind of rotating the quarterbacks and the the starters and the reps and all that. So he's still waiting, right? He's still behind Jack Miller, and he's still behind Bryce Young until it got to a point where it was very clear that, hey, this is the guy that's going to help our team win the most. And he ends up going – so now they put him – on. it starts with the pro day, though. He puts up a perfect score of 50. I think the only other person to do th- that's the highest score ever, and it's followed by Bryce Young's 49, and we'll get to Kyle McCord in a second, but since I'm in this line of Kyle McCourt's 45 is, I think, third all-time behind those two guys. And the pro day, as I've mentioned before when we were doing the spring game, it's just it, they put up to a pro day, and a perfect throw is a three, a okay throw is a two, and a, and a throw where the wide receiver has to do all the work is a one, and he put up a perfect score of a 50 that never been done before. This guy from Rancho Cucamongo who's only – I think that's how you say it, who's only here because the number one quarterback in the country decided he no, no longer wanted to come. Nobody knows who he is. He has a couple Pac-12 offers, some of the smaller Big 12 offers, but not much. And he's dominated. And then they it goes it rolls over into the 7-on-7 seven seven competition. He ends up winning that while also being on a team with Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith, the jig. But I think Clark Phillips, who was still committed at the time, was on that team. And they're telling Ryan Day, hey, this guy, CJ, is a real deal. You guys need to get on him. And we see how that ended up playing out over the next six months. It's a little
1: bit awkward that you've got guys who know that – because Jack Miller is already in <laughs> Ohio State commitment at that point. Yeah. Uh, but they're calling back to let Ryan Day know, like, hey, this guy doesn't have anywhere to go to college. I know you need another quarterback. And if not for this camp, CJ Stroud is probably not at Ohio State right now.
0: 100%. One, it shows what the communication was between the recruits and the coaches, not just the quarterbacks, but everybody, because it was understood that we're going to bring another guy along with Jack in here. And so they all got on – it is what it is, so they all got on board with it instead of trying to fight it and just fighting up and saying, no, Jack's our guy. They said, okay, we understand. So let's make sure we go get the best option. But, yeah, you're right. It's to the point – if DJ doesn't drop out, who's Ohio State's second quarterback in his class? And then is Ryan Day pulling his hair out trying to find that guy?
1: And then, as you said, Kyle Cord goes last year and also wins the Pro Day. Um, mm-hmm. So just, a, a, again, just another year where an Ohio State quarterback. And I'm, I, I was going to get to this with, with Quinn Ewers, because now you're, you're already the number one prospect in the country. It would seem like you don't have a lot to prove by going through this process if you're Quinn Ewers. But what, what does he get out of it? And I guess more importantly, what does Ohio State get out of these quarterbacks going to these camps and excelling the way they have?
0: I don't. I I don't think I know. Ryan Day said it. He's not a big fan of seven on seven since it's not real football. Which it it isn't. We know that. That's not the point of it. It's more about decision making for quarterbacks. But it's a pressure free environment because you're not worried about getting hit. I think what Quinn can get out of this is competing. It's you got to go out. Listen, you got a perfect rating. You're the number one player in the country, but you got to go out there and prove that every single day. You can't – that can't – it's one thing to be the number one player, but that perfect rating, he's got to consistently go out there and prove that. And there are going to be some guys there who are going to push him. Ohio State doesn't have the C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields story heading into this pro pro day. Clemson might have that, and Kay who's who beat Quinn Ewers in the state championship game a couple of months ago and committed to Clemson a few weeks after he did it, that he's going to get put, he's the Trevor Lawrence and he's got everybody else chipping at his, at his feet now. And there are going to be some guys when they get to LA for the, for the opening and for the elite 11 competition who are going to challenge him. They might not knock him off that number one pedestal, but they can have some people going, maybe he's not perfect. Maybe he's a nine, 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 nine," instead of a a 1000, which for whatever that means. But the point of the matter is, for the first time, Ohio State's now in a position where they're being chased by everybody else when it comes to the quarterback recruiting situation.
1: It would seem like something that kind of builds on itself. Like, you know, Justin Fields doing what he did kind of leads to C.J. Stroud, which leads mm-hmm. to Kyle McCord, which leads to – so Ewers going there and having a big summer seems to maybe set the stage for what comes next.
0: Yeah, momentum. Right. I mean, CJ Stroud has been working off of momentum for two years now. Uh, Kyle McCord used that momentum. He wasn't a five-star when he showed up there. He was a four-star recruit. He was a pretty highly rated guy. I'm not going to make it seem like he was in the 600s, but he earned that fifth star based off some of the stuff he did there, but then also his senior season. Jack Miller probably could have helped himself had he not been dealing with some injuries, but he continued to trend downward because once again, it's another situation where, you know, he has a chance to compete and he's hurt so he can't do that. And so, continues to spiral backwards. For Quinn Ewers, it's if C.J. Stroud, for how we want to define this quarterback battle this year, as just keep doing what you're doing and you're going to win. For Quinn Ewers, it's just keep doing what you're doing, and you're you're already the favorite to win MVP walking in there. Just keep doing what you're doing and you're going to win, and that's an interesting position for Ohio State to be in.
1: And there's momentum for Ohio State, too. It would seem mm-hmm. like if you want to be what Ryan Day has said he wants it to be, which is I don't know if he used the term QBU. We keep putting that in his mouth. He, no, he
0: said it. He Because
1: okay. yeah. I remember asking him last year around this time about the correlation between, you know, finally having some first round draft picks as quarterbacks and getting NFL success as quarterbacks mm-hmm. being kind of the missing ingredient for Ohio State. Like guys at this showcase performing well seems to be probably just an essential element of that.
0: Yeah, it is because it starts here, right? You can't – I mean, you got to – first of all, you can develop a guy all you want, but he's got to have the talent to be able to reach that ceiling of a first-round draft pick. And so it does start with things like this where Quinn Ewer is continuing to do what he's doing. If he goes in there and he wins MVP – And then he takes that momentum into his senior season. And he leads South South Lake Carroll to a state championship. And then he rolls into here and he's got all that momentum. Oh, yeah, plus he's the number one player in the country, as we've been talking about with a QB battle that's going to start over from phase one as soon as he gets here. That's the momentum. That's the type of development you need. You, get, you need guys to be at a base level of, of development by the time they get here. And right now, whether it's C.J. Stroud with the momentum he used, Kyle McCord turning himself into a five-star, Quinn Ewers being what he is, they're getting that base level of talent that they can develop once they get into the program.
1: We're taking our last break there. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Ohio State quarterback recruiting beyond Quinn Ewers, what we know about 2023 and how we kind of think this might unfold as they have this this glut of talent and as it sort of tails off or or builds in in the coming years, this is Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Stephen, we know Ohio State has a quarterback commit for 2022. That is Quinn Ewers, as you mentioned, has a perfect prospect rating, number one guy in the country. What do we know about what they're doing for 2023? I know that it's still – Somewhat early, but also as quarterbacks go, not really early for a 2023 class. Those commitments tend to come in early, but you've also got such a stack of talent here for Ohio State actually in-house and coming. I'm wondering how that's affecting things.
0: It's not early. Uh, I mean, we're eight days from being – was it three years removed from when Kyle McCord committed? He was two years out. Uh, Quinn Ewers is a year out, obviously, because he had to flip from somewhere else. Jack Miller, I think, was an 18th month out commitment. C.J. Stroud's, Stroud's the outlier here as the guy who committed on signing day. This is usually how quarterback recruiting goes. You kind of want your guy um, heading into the spring of his junior year, summer, heading into a senior year. This is when you want your guy. Right now, Ohio State's only offered one guy, and that's Malachi Nelson, the number two a uh, pro style quarterback in the country, the number four player, five-star recruit out of California. He's got a crystal ball to Oklahoma, which isn't that crazy given that Oklahoma is on that every other year. We're going to go get the five-star plan right now. Um, this is not surprising though. I think some of it is seeing how this room shakes out over the next six months, but I will also, before they get real aggressive with the recruiting, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they start throwing offers out there now that they can see these guys throw. That's the big thing to remember here is with 2023 guys, most of these guys haven't played varsity football yet. And they, and with quarterbacks, especially when your head coach is a quarterback's coach, they probably want to see that guy throw in person at some point. At least with Quinn Ewers, he had gotten on campus, even if it was two or three years ago. They'd seen Kyle McCord throw. They'd seen uh, Jack Miller throw. They'd seen C.J. Stroud in person because he came on an official visit during the Michigan State game in 2019. Malachi Nelson, they've seen him throw. They haven't seen much of these other guys throw. But some guys to watch out for – Arch Manning and if that last name means anything yes that is the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning and the the son of the other Manning who didn't go to the NFL so that's the trade-off you don't get to go to the NFL but your son gets to possibly be the number one pick in the 2027 NFL draft I, I mean Ohio uh, if Ryan Day wants the best quarterback in every class then Arch Manning is probably going to have an offer from Ohio State because he's the number one quarterback in that class and the number three player Dante Moore out of Michigan he's a five-star kid I mean If the Wolverines are smart, he won't let that guy get out of the state. But if Ohio State – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got an Ohio State offer as well. Dylan Lonergan is the number 41 player in the Nicholas out of California. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, and I'm not going to try it in order to not mess it up. But he's from Warren High School in in California. He's a number 67 player in the country. Those are the five top 100 quarterbacks right now in that class. And I won't be surprised if if at least three of them have Ohio State offers sometime in the next six months or so.
1: But if it's not too late to be getting a commitment for 2023, then it sounds like is it not too late to be finally getting in on some of these guys? You know what I'm saying? Like you're getting in a little bit late. Is it realistic to think that Ohio State is going to compete for a top 100 type quarterback in this class at this point other than the one that they've offered?
0: It is because this is the last, I guess, part of coming off of a weird year where I don't think any of these quarterbacks are high on anybody right now because of a lot of the things that just meant the not being able to see them throw. Some of them haven't said high school football, foot varsity football yet. It, typically, April is not too late. It's not too early either. It's just kind of, this is it wouldn't be crazy if some of a quarterback in that class committed right now. But I also won't be surprised if a lot of these guys don't wait till the fall just because – I mean, COVID happened, and so there's going to be some things that are a little bit more delayed with the 2023 class, which is why the composite rankings were so late. Those just came out two weeks ago. A a lot of stuff is just delayed with this class because no one's seen them play in person, and a lot of these guys haven't played football yet. So normally, April, if Ohio State had a quarterback commit, I'd be like, yep, seems about on pace. But with this one, I won't be surprised if the 2023 quarterback for Ohio State doesn't commit until, like, November.
1: This is where recruiting process kind of fascinates me because there are so many hours of the day, only so many days in a week. You only have so much, as we talk about, like, you know, recruiting capital to spend on each player, each position. And do they need a five-star quarterback in this class? Do you think they still go out and pursue a top 100 kind of quarterback for this class? Like what w- can they get by with a more developmental or, or just lower ceiling guy for that 2023 class?
0: I mean, you know what I think, yes. I think that's how it should go is, you know, go get the guy, then go get maybe a developmental guy who – he might still push you in the battle, but he's not a guy who's expected to start as soon as the job is available, and then you go get the guy. Do what Clemson is doing. Do what Alabama is doing. Do what Oklahoma is doing, where you're on this kind of cycle like Spencer Rattler will be the starter for two years. And then Caleb Williams will be the starter for two years. And let's just say Malachi Nelson does commit to Oklahoma as a 2023 guy. He'll sit behind Caleb Williams for a year and then he'll be the starter. I'm all for that plan, but that's not the route they're taking. They're taking the route of, they want the best quarterback they can get in every single class. Even if that means, you know, having a new competition restart every single year. Now I doubt that happens if Quinn Ewers comes in here and wins the job, but, I also won't be surprised if they just landed Quinn Ewers and he signs in December and then Arch Manning gets an offer from Ohio state and he ends up in the Ohio state's 2023 recruiting class. And then we're going, is Arch is Peyton Manning's nephew going to steal the job away from the guy everybody's saying is the highest rated recruit since Trevor Lawrence.
1: But at some point it's not even whether Ohio state could or should do that. It Mm -hmm. becomes at some point you're going to hit a year where because Quinn Ewers is already there the other five-star quarterbacks in the country don't want to come to Ohio State because they know Quinn Ewers is going to be there for the next two years.
0: I think he might be the the line in the sand. He might be a bit of a roadblock. Right, just like Trevor Lawrence was. I think everybody looked at that and said, I'm not beating that guy out. He just won a national title. And everybody's saying he's the highest-graded quarterback since Andrew Luck. I'm not beating that guy out, which is why Clemson didn't get another five-star until DJ which who who knew he was only sitting behind Trevor for a year. So I do think there does come a point where if you go get that guy who is a generational talent, quote unquote, I think everybody else, other quarterbacks see that. And so whether Ohio state goes after the top quarterback in every year or not, I think the decision of whether they land, it might be made by the kids over the coaches. I do agree with that.
1: And And even with DJ at, at Clemson, it wasn't, Yes, he had to come sit behind Trevor Lawrence for a year, but they had a plan. They had a clear plan this year mm-hmm. to get him on the field, even before the COVID stuff happened with Trevor Lawrence, that there was a, there was a role for him. They had a way to get him into real games and, and get him experience this year. It wasn't just holding a clipboard for a year or waiting for a blowout.
0: And they were doing yeah. that in, yeah. in the first couple of games. They were getting them out on the field in real snaps because there was no way, even, even in a normal year, there was no way they were going to come into the spring this year knowing that this guy was the incumbent starter and be in a situation where he had no idea what he was doing when the season started. Do
1: you think Ohio State has to do some version of that this fall with whoever doesn't win the quarterback job? We're straying a little bit from recruiting here, but I do. It it, it is it sort of a though. precedent setter for the long run because you're telling guys, "Hey, I know that there's a, there, You may not win the job right away, but we will still get you on the field." They can say that to with at least some degree of credibility.
0: It's hard because of what the schedule is. It's easy to throw DJ Ouyanglaye out there when you're playing Georgia Tech, you know. It's a lot easier to do that than it is to play Minnesota or Oregon. I mean, when they play those Mac schools, I won't be surprised. If, if the starter doesn't wow you in those first games, if they try it. Um, they, the problem is we don't have anything to go off of this with. Because Tate Martell was such a different situation with the Dwayne-Tate. Because they were two polar opposites. So what you were asking Tate to do and what you were asking Dwayne would do were two totally different things. And with Justin, I mean, his options behind him weren't good. So you and he need, so it was a situation where Ryan Day could go, Justin needs every rep he can get. So we're not just going to pull him just for the sake of pulling him. I won't be surprised if Kyle and CJ both get some level of reps, but it's hard to really like mark that down. If, if the Mac school was first, I'd be like, yeah, I think we might see CJ for a series. I think we might see Kyle for a series. But because of what the schedule is, I think you've got to get whoever ends up winning the starting job as many first team reps as possible, especially going in the fall camp.
1: I'm going to kind of end on this. Like I want to get your take because you watch this more closely than me, but we've obviously debated this topic a lot on here on Buckeye talk and the circumstances leading up to what we have now and what we will have in the spring of 2022 are somewhat unique. Ohio state had a gap. They knew Justin Fields was leaving. They had to get two guys in one class. They then had an opportunity to – they already had Cal McCord committed before they got the second guy for this class, and it happened to be – instead of being just another guy, it happened to be C.J. Stroud swooping in. And then Quinn Ewers is sitting out there. There's a mutual connection, and now Quinn Ewers is coming in for 2022. It's not just a five-star. It's like might be that guy. might be mm-hmm. big, big deal. Do you think – and so now that forces the conversation – Of Well, is this just what Ohio State's going to be every year? And and is that smart? So we've had that conversation. Do you think we might be jumping a little bit ahead on that and that it may just return to something more normal after that, quote unquote normal? Ohio State's still going to go get really good quarterbacks. But beyond Quinn Ewers, do you see it maybe settling into something a little more, um, a little less insane? as far as just stacking these guys the way they have? Or do you think this really is the plan? Like, they're going to go get – if they get the number one quarterback recruit in the country every year to commit to Ohio State, that's what they're
0: going to do. So you're asking what, what's the realistic way to approach this, right? I guess because just
1: – yeah. If, if, we're, if we were doing this podcast on April twenty second, 2025
0: mm-hmm. –
1: what do you, how do you think we're talking about Ohio State's quarterback recruiting process at that point, like based on what you know or feel right now?
0: I think the approach will be we want the five-star. I think the result will be what Oklahoma's is right now because if you're going to go get we want the five-star or maybe not even that, maybe we might get into a situation where every four years I just have to reset the room and they got to scramble a little bit. And the one-time transfer will let you, will let you do that now, where you go get the Quinn yourses of the world, and he starts for three years. But because he started for three years and everybody knew that, your room is off a little bit. And so maybe the guy you end up getting who might be the, the replacement for yours after he's off to the NFL, maybe you're not 100% sure on him. But, you know, Arch Manning, that's where you go get your Justin Fields again. Right. Arch Manning goes to LSU and LSU still a mess. He's from Louisiana. That's why I said LSU. And so he goes into the the transfer portal. Hey, Arch, come on, come with us, come start with us for two years. And then you start that cycle over again. So maybe that's where they're on, where just every four years or so it's a scramble because you did take this approach of, I want the five, I want the Quinn Ewers of every class. And so you are in a scramble every so often But the result is, for the next three years, you know your quarterback might be the best player in the country.
1: And getting Justin Fields, you're getting a Justin Fields, is easier, not in terms of identifying him, because there aren't that many Justin Fields out there, but just getting the transfer process will be easier than it has ever been. But it's why it does seem like Ohio State needs to get through these next two years without the perception that it left someone dangling. Yeah. Yeah to maybe put itself, there are repercussions if it doesn't do that.
0: Which is why I I think it is, is Ryan Day feels it's so important to get everybody to the fall. Because then everybody at least feels like they had a legitimate shot and it wasn't, you gave me 15 practices and reps with the third team. I'm leaving. No, no. Consistently make it seem like everybody got a fair shot, even if from the outside, it's very clear what the hierarchy is. And so whoever – if Jack Miller leads or Kyle McCord leads, CJ Stroud leads, they can't feel like they didn't get a fair shot. That's why it's so important. So, yes, the room is going to look one way, and it might look completely full in the spring like it is right now. But then every single year when you get to the fall, it'll still be that. But by the end of fall, camp, because these guys can still play four games and then redshirt and then transfer. I mean, we've seen guys transfer in season. Isaiah Pryor did it here. Kelly Bryant did it at Clemson. Someone might leave after fall camp. You can still do that, but it doesn't ruin the reputation Ryan Day has of, one, developing you as a quarterback. Jack, One of those three guys got – two of those three guys were at least gotten a year and a half of development. One of those guys, a, 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 fall, a spring and a fall. So some, some development and a fair shot to try to win the job. That's all you can ask for as a recruit at the end of the day, and I think that's what he's selling them on
1: that's something to watch long term for those of you who want to follow recruiting in the short term get the text 614-350-3315 steven and his uh, the freelancers that we use are are bringing contacts every day with the guys that Ohio State is targeting and signing and getting commitments from and we're putting out updates from those all the time uh, follow steven's work at cleveland.com/osu we have recruiting roundups Monday through Friday Uh, or or some kind of recruiting intel every morning and that's that's a commitment we've made and we're going to keep doing that and we're going to keep doing the bffs podcast join us next friday for more recruiting talk but until then i'm nathan baird he was stephen means and that was buckeye talk